Hello and welcome to the Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're delving into a new report in the Longer Term Investment series from the CIO of UBS Global Wealth Management, exploring family businesses. Family businesses tend to follow a long-term strategy and offer alignment of interests between company management and the family's values. So... Is this why they frequently offer superior growth and risk-return characteristics? Well, to answer that question, let's turn to our panel, the two authors of the UBS Global Wealth Management CIO report, Nena Winkler and Stefan Meyer, analysts out of UBS Switzerland. Plus, later we'll have a bit of a surprise guest from the Monocle staff too. For now though, Nena, Stefan, welcome to the show. I would like to start, Nena Winkler, with a quick reminder of... What the longer-term investment series pieces out of the CIO explore and why they're important. Can you provide us some context? So the longer-term investment series explores investment themes that are based on long-term structural trends. New technologies, societal shifts, environmental changes are quickly changing the world we live in, while constant political news and short-term market speculation distract us from forward-looking thinking. And that's why... We created the thematic investment framework that helps to navigate the uncertainty of the future. And this framework is based on three very long-term trends, population growth, aging, and urbanization. All these trends are influenced by potential disruptive developments in society, resources, and technology. So we want to help our clients to find investment opportunities around these long-term investment trends. And um, these opportunities can arise in areas like health tech, water, waste, energy, clean air, food, and more. And the family businesses long-term investment team sits within this LTI framework in the society part as those companies have an organizational structure that is based on family and family values. Well, absolutely. And I I wanted to ask you actually next about exactly that, a bit of a definition. And you've touched upon it there about what we mean when we talk about family businesses in, in broad terms. And maybe we could just go back over that in a bit more detail and look at how those family values that you mentioned, how that manifests itself in terms of the qualities of the business and the advantages that those businesses and their practices offer to investors. Could you tell us a bit more? So we define family businesses as companies where family members, so either the founding family or the long-term family owner that acquired a company, own a significant stake or control the business uh, strategy and operations. So examples of family companies in Switzerland are the watchmaker Swatch, for example, the pharma company Roche and the luxury conglomerate Richemont. And typically, we find that family businesses offer the following characteristics. They have a long-term focus on revenue growth and profitability, as well as a vision and strategy that is in place for the long term. In addition, in general, they have conservative funding structures for investment flexibility and also independence. And very naturally, family businesses offer a better alignment of interests between company management and the business ownership. We also find that family firms show superior innovations through R&D and capital discipline, 
they use their operating cash flow to fund internal growth rather than cash returns. And family businesses also try to have good relationships to stakeholders and build a good reputation in the society. And as they want to preserve the wealth for the next generations, it's a key goal to also have a good reputation in the society, as I already mentioned. Nana, let me then ask you about the longer term picture here. Um, we've discussed a bit of the context here and some of the definitions. As a grouping, generally, how do we expect family firms to perform then over the longer term? Various academic studies indicate that family businesses tend to outperform their peers due to the reasons I already highlighted before. And we expect listed family businesses as a group to outgrow their peers by a low single-digit percentage point rate annually over the longer term. And also in our analysis of the family business universe, we saw those kind of outperformance. And we noticed that within this universe, there are large sector and regional biases. So the index has an underweight in the US and an overweight to Europe and the emerging markets. In addition, sector-wise, it is overweight in consumer discretionary and consumer staple and underweight in financials, healthcare, and IT. And therefore, it is essential for an investment strategy to neutralize these investment biases and to apply a sector-neutral approach for a steadier and more consistent outperformance. Well, Stefan, let me bring you in here. Uh, Really interesting there to get some of the background piece and to look at some of the expectations we might have for the longer term. Um, Can I ask you a little bit about what happens when there are more unforeseen events or periods of of volatility or uncertainty? Uh, The pandemic, of course, is what I'm getting towards, an extraordinary 18 months or so that we've witnessed. Um, Is it possible to generalise a little about how family businesses specifically as a group have reacted to the pandemic? Absolutely. As you mentioned already, the pandemic was really a unique crisis because it was a health crisis and uh, it was actually kind of created by the governments when they uh, restricted movements and and, uh, closed jobs and stuff like this. But at the end, family firms were similarly affected to previous other economic downturns overall. And family firms were faced with sales declines uh, to a similar extent to to other companies and non-family businesses and tend to react more cautiously than other companies do when it comes to wage cost cuts. This is very similar to to other recessions. As a result, the debt levels increased more than at non-family businesses over the last uh, few months. Nonetheless, the the debt gearings remain more moderate compared to non-family businesses overall. Family business does demonstrate, again, their superior stakeholder approach and long-term focus. They tend to avoid short-term overreactions. Overall, family firms, again, accepted more short-term pain and volatility in favor of their long-term strategy. So the larger short-term impact is also a function of the tilt this team has towards smaller companies that offer less diversification regionally as well as operationally. So nonetheless, the stronger balance sheets, the the focus strategy and and wise investment strategies benefit them during their crisis. 
Well, yeah, and I know you've kind of alluded to this already in your remarks, but tell us a bit more about this long-termism, particularly as it speaks to this long-term wealth focus of these businesses. I think we've already heard a bit about why that's the, a key narrative, but can you tell us a bit more about what that means? Family businesses are basically two things. It's families and businesses. And uh, families have um, built wealth and reputation over the years and over the generations. Uh, this wealth has to be preserved and the reputation has to be cultivated. cultivated. And this is the, a cautious and long-term oriented approach. On the other hand, they um, are companies that need to be managed efficiently and developed successfully. As a result, family businesses tend to be managed based on firm and stable values. They have um, clear long-term goals and the, they are aligned with the, the family, with the owners of, of the business. This is why wealth creation and preservation is the key driver for established family firms that may still be a bit different for, for newer, younger family businesses because startups, of course, are a lot more risky. But we are looking here more at companies which are already established or second, third generation already involved in the company at least. Uh, but trends, uh, things, that, uh, things that tend to, to change fairly quickly. The negative side of the long-term wealth focus may, however, be that they are not making use so much of short-term opportunities. Sometimes also it slows a bit the decision-making, but quality, efficiency, and the focus really compensates for that over the long term. One thing that really struck me actually browsing through the report, Stefan, was some of the metrics by which we can measure the outperformance uh, by family businesses of some other uh, measures. If we look at how family firms outperform global equities, for example, some quite striking uh, findings. And that must always make uh, compelling reading for you and your colleagues. Yes, I think maybe I can give you a bit more of these analytical details that we found out when we did the calculations. We really uh, we already touched a bit on the conservative financials and that family business tend to tend to have that during uh, an average and good economic years, their net devils tend to be only about half as high as other companies relative to the operating profits. Only in a downturn, they accept a bit higher debt levels, but they remain lower than for non-family businesses. So it's a temporary um, increase in net debt that basically also then helps them to position well for the, for the long term again and to be good to all the stakeholders um, involved here. Family firms also tend to be less generous to their shareholders than others. The dividend payout is a bit lower. If we take the average of the last 20 years, it was only about the, just about a third. For other companies, it's closer to 40%. And that supports also the strong financial position uh, that these companies have. Another key factor is uh, that they spend less on investment. So the gap is quite significant. It's almost 10% difference in terms of the capex they spend versus non-family businesses. With this less investment, they still achieve better sales and profit growth over the long term. So clearly shows that money is spent more wisely and more efficient. Another way of, of looking at efficiency is analyzing the R&D spending. Here on average, over the years, it tends to be quite volatile in both groups, family and non-family businesses. But it is roughly the same relative to sales. But even here, with that similar amount of, uh, of spending, they 
create better innovation and better growth over the long term. So, so I would say that the quality is reflected in superior balance sheets, uh, more holistic strategies, um, better implementation and cash flow focus. This again is then the basis for the better than average capital discipline, the, the superior innovation and higher growth at the end. Yeah, that's really interesting. And in fact, once again, you're one step ahead because I was going to ask you a bit about the challenge of quantifying, you know, an emphasis on quality. But I think you've you've done that very, very elegantly there, Stefan. So you've addressed that question before I before I asked it. I guess uh, certain listeners may be hearing this and say, well, look, this is all upside. It's all a sunny picture. What could possibly go wrong? I suppose, as ever, um, it is always worth pointing out that no area, uh, as ever, is entirely without without risks. And if you're to make good decisions, you need to be aware of what the risk landscape looks like as well as just the upside. Yes, indeed. I mean, there are some challenges too at family business. And um, it, it starts with the fact that we have a tilt towards smaller companies and towards emerging markets and they tend to be more cyclical, less diversified. And that's also the stock prices tend to be clearly more volatile. And, and since there are families involved, family-related factors affect these family firms. The two key risks here include intra-family conflicts as well as the succession risk. While conflicts um, are hard to plan, succession risk would actually be planable, but many family firms uh, still tend to be late or even too late uh, to really plan uh, their succession um, properly and successfully. So here, there's always a risk that there's a hiccup uh, that does affect the business negatively, at least for, for, for a while. And uh, there can be government issues because families, of course, dominate these companies. Not all of the decisions may be in the interest of third-party shareholders, but on over, overall and over the longer term, it tends to work out. So overall, I would say that family firms dwell over time in general, but they have clearly risks in the shorter term, as well as on a single company basis. Well, I guess with all of those uh, considerations in mind, then perhaps, uh, Nena, I can come back to you at this point. If uh, we have listeners uh, and this has piqued their interest, obviously they can dive into the report to, to find out more. But what are some of the key things then in terms of next steps for you know the canny investor eager to position to take advantage of some of the themes that we've been uh, discussing? What do they need to think about? So investors to capture the attractive investment opportunity of family businesses should use a multi-year investment horizon because as Stefan explained, the companies focus very much on the long-term strategy and therefore we also advise to use a multi-year investment horizon and as well, they should use a broad portfolio diversification. Family firms tend to focus on long-term success rather than short-term profit maximization and they offer good growth and risk return characteristics due to their focus on quality and innovation. And this strand of the investment team materializes best over the longer term as family businesses align their strategy between the company managers and the key shareholders. In addition, the analysis we um, conducted was focusing on the publicly listed family companies that are more easily accessible to investors and have already proven successful. And there are different investment products out there in the equity fund space. But also in private markets, 
um, there are interesting investment opportunities in the family business universe that we advise investors to look at. Nana Winkler and before that, Stefan Meyer. Before the end of the programme, let's briefly check in on Monocle's own house view on family businesses. It's something that we've long since pronounced about here on the radio and for even longer on the pages of Monocle magazine. Joining us to share a quick insight is Monocle's deputy editor, Josh Fennett. So, Josh, the topic of today's programme is family businesses and we have heard from uh, friends within UBS about the investment landscape and why investment, if you've got a longer-term view in family businesses, can make so much sense as part of a balanced portfolio. But I know that family businesses are something of enduring interest to Monocle. They have been since Monocle was founded. Um, What is it about family-run businesses that we find so interesting? Why are they always things that we seem to almost invariably come back to? I think for the reasons that you kind of alluded to, Tom, family businesses are interesting to Monocle because of that very longevity, because of that very idea that doing something over generations, that a business is something that can be passed down, not simply flipped quickly for a profit. And that I guess a lot of family businesses have a different set of priorities to simply making money quickly. When we cover the idea of entrepreneurship, as we are now in the out-now issue of the entrepreneurs, we're not quite so interested in people that, you know, put a fiver down and got a a million pounds back, you know, interesting as that may be about the markets. I suppose we're interested in people who are pursuing things that they consider to be worthwhile with people that they love and trying to build up a business over time in an interesting way. And another thing that we see when a lot of people pitch businesses to us they show you know, great uh, remuneration or great financial success as being the marker of a business's success. And we say, yes, of course, you, know, you need to make money out of these things or you would like to. But there are other things as well. Um, and you notice certain businesses, I don't know, fetishizing the idea of venture capital money. They want loads of money to pump up the value of the business quickly. And we think, well, hang on a second, perhaps a business might just provide for you and your wife and your children. Perhaps after working in it for 50 years, you might then want to pass it on to the next generation who might want to pass it on to the next. So there is this transmission of values over time as well as money. And there is this sense that there's probably more to a business than simply getting a lot of money out of it at the end. And as you've mentioned, and as I no doubt will be unpacked by experts greater than me in this show, that's also good for stability. It's good for training. It's good for ecosystems. If you're the one family company that stayed in a certain valley making glasses in Italy and then you hit the big time or you work with some of the bigger companies, you're providing a sense of future for those people in that area as well. So I think family businesses and this sense of longevity and rootedness to an area and to a set of ideas are things that we find alluring and things that we think people should think about whether they're backing a business or whether they're starting up a business for themselves. What does success look like? And family businesses, when they are successful, are all the more successful for those reasons. And some wise words from Josh Fennett there on why Monocle think family businesses are worth a second look. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle 24. You can listen again and find out more at monocle.com or catch up via your preferred podcast platform. The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24.